Good afternoon and welcome to Daily Cafefe on Unsafe Space with Carter and Carrie. Today is Thursday, January 23rd, and you're joining us from, well, we're joining you from Texas and California. Yeah. And uh, we hope you're having a good day. Uh, Carter's tie matches my shirt today. How are you, Carter? I'm doing well, Carrie. I was told that I dress like a flamboyant Mr. Rogers, which I now think is really funny. Uh, and it was one of my dear friends who said that to me. <laughs> You're laughing. <laughs> Why did you wait until I took a sip of coffee to say that? <laughs> yeah. So, um, you know, you, you I, are I, <laughs> I took it in stride. It was a good dig at me. And uh, I think she's probably right. Um, hey, I'm looking at my a, outfit. Yeah, maybe I do. Yeah. I think it's kind of cool. I think it's a cool, co- I think it's a compliment. Well, look, I started I started wearing ties. I don't know if people uh, that new subscribers might know this, not know this. I started wearing ties. I never wore ties or collared shirts uh, because I was in Silicon Valley. You could wear T-shirts and jeans and be a venture capitalist, and it wasn't a big deal. Um, but I started wearing ties because I realized aesthetically they're scary to leftists. So I was <laughs> like, uh, <laughs> that was my, on the show, I'm going to wear ties because, like, nothing's worse than a white guy in a tie. But then I oddly fell in love with these, like, Mr. Rogers, like, kind of sweaters. Mine zip instead of button, like Mr. Rogers. But I just like them. So I, I kind of, I don't know. I feel like a, maybe a flamboyant version of a 1950s dad or something. <laughs> but whatever. Uh, but, but, my, but my ties, like, my, my shirts and ties are all loud colors. So They're uh, nice. I like I, them. I like yeah. your style. I can't I bring myself cool. to do the white shirt, red tie Dilbert thing every day. So... I gotta. Yeah, why would you? We'll see. Yeah. My style may change. Who knows? I'm not, I've never been one that actually pays attention to my fashion sense. This is the first time I did anything about fashion deliberately, and it was only because I was like, oh, ties scare leftists. That was it. Well, um, I, like, I like your style. I think it's good. I think you should wear more hats, but you know. Yeah, no one, no one else thinks that. My daughter uh, thinks I look, my, my daughter literally told me that. Um, my IQ looks lower when I wear hats, and she hates it. She, like the other day, she ripped the hat. I was wearing a hat because I was out working on the truck, and I was like, I was wearing a hat because I hadn't showered yet. My hair was all crazy, and uh, I came back inside, and I was doing a puzzle or something with her, and she literally ran across the room and like ripped the hat off of my head, and she was like, "Just get How rid of the hat! I hate again? your hat." How old is she again? She's Eight? ten. No, she's ten. 10. Yeah. Ten. Yeah. She's got a really um, scalpel-like sense of, uh, like, she, that's a real sharp insult. <laughs> yeah. You wear a hat and makes you look like you have a lower IQ. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> she also, her insult for me is to say that, um, and in fairness, she didn't invent this insult. She heard it. But her insult for me, like, when I do something is to tell me that I'm above average IQ. <laughs> 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 she'd be like you're above average dad above slightly yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that is really funny oh my gosh okay you so, and i by the way care you don't know this but we are on the same page today i asked you what you want to talk about you came up with this thing and it was kind of related to something i've been thinking about but didn't know how to talk about so thank you for coming up with this topic okay. please introduce it so there's an article. Can you pull it up and I'll tell people about it. But there's yeah, an which art- article you want to talk about uh, that let's article just, specifically? Let's get to the first one. Yeah. All let's right. Pull- okay. And, and by the way, if you are offended by gross depictions of sexual activity, just know that this is going to be, it's going to have some things in this episode that you may not, if you're that don't like to hear that stuff, you may not like this episode. So. Yeah. It's, this is not for kids either. Yeah. Yeah. This is not for kids. And here's your warning. Um, so I'm in a group called, it's a, it's a, secret Facebook group for women who have, who who like to discuss varied opinions. And I would say there's a lot of wrong thinking, so-called wrong thinking women in the group, meaning none of us are SJWs. (laughs) And, um, someone posted this and we were just discussing it. And I, I, this is a while back that they posted it, but I was thinking about it. I had reason to think about it again recently because I was thinking about what culture offers women right now. And this is a, that's a really that, deep question, by the way, Carrie. It's a super important, deep question. So I'm glad you're bringing this up. This is just like, there's a lot here. So what does the, what does, and when I say culture, I mean, um, mainstream culture, 
in the U.S., what, what Western culture in the U.S., what is currently in fad and fashion that's being offered to women? And or, or if you're a Christian, I think you could look at it from the perspective of what does the world offer, right? Um, and so this is the, uh, I thought this article, it, it, it really disgusted me, but I also think it's, it's a good example of what's being offered up to young women right now as an example of, this is being sold as empowerment and feminism. And I want to talk about what it really is when you start reading it. So the headline is, it's a picture of a woman's butt, and the headline is sealed section. The night I ended my marriage, and by the way, this woman who wrote this, Tara Blair, Blair Ball, this she's written lots of pieces like this. She's pretty the the things that I'm going to talk about in this article. That's sort of her mo, and you know she gets paid presumably to write this kind of crap. Okay, the night I ended this is the title. The night I ended my marriage, a man ten years younger than me rimmed me. Okay, so that's a sexual act. If you guys aren't familiar with what that is, you can look it up on your own, or maybe you don't want to. Anyway, um, so here's the here's the beginning of the piece. The night that my ex-husband and I sold our house and finalized the marital dissolution agreement and the permanent parenting plan, a man 10 years younger than me rimmed me. I hadn't intended to get rimmed that night. I had intended to get coffee with this young guy who had been badgering me for a date for months. My ex-husband sobbed during nearly the entire home selling process. Our realtor, who had bought and sold two houses with us, whom we had known personally for years, cried with him. I, I want to pause right there. She has no, I'm reading it the way I'm reading it because that's how she's writing it. It's so casual and it's so bragging. It's like a braggart. Like here's a woman bragging about this meaningless, uh, intimate sexual act that she had with a young man. It's very important to her for some reason that the man is 10 years younger and that it happened on the day that was obviously very painful for her ex-husband and she knew it was painful for him because she talks about him sobbing in such a flippant way um, and even mentions that the realtor cried with him. Clearly she didn't cry. Very next paragraph we get to, she is clutching her thighs with excitement is what's happening to her. Now, I'm not saying, I don't know the details of this woman's marriage. I don't know the details of the divorce. I'm, I'm not, I don't Maybe he was a horrible person and there's great reason. Maybe they shouldn't be together. There's great reason for the divorce. What I find disgusting about this is that even if all those things are true, even if he, you know, there's great, which she doesn't tell you, she doesn't mention that he's was horrible or whatever. Well, but even also if she has things, talked about her divorce in the past. We know she right. had an affair. Um, and yes. as, as much as she's thrown her husband under the bus in the marriage, it hasn't been for anything like, as far as she's disclosed publicly, she hasn't accused him of anything horrible. It's just like, he doesn't touch me as much anymore and that kind of stuff. Yeah. It's not like, you know, I, I, I guess he had a drug habit, I guess. And she said, she claimed he had a drug habit and some stuff, but I don't Secretly know. hiding drugs or something from her. Yeah. So, but, but the thing is it I, I can't imagine... <sighs> Just treating the dissolution of a union and leaving the um, the person that you swore to be with for the rest of your life, the father of your children, and watching him have that kind of emotional reaction, even if you're not having the same reaction, and then not just going and having this meaningless fling with some guy that same day. That's people. All people do crazy crap all the time. I've done crazy crap. I can't imagine. Months or years later, however long later this is, however amount of time has passed, I can't imagine writing a piece about it, bragging about it in this way, um, as if it was something positive and empowering and no big deal. And if 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 you were to write about something like this, I would expect it to be with a great deal of shame and humility about what you learned back when you were wilding it up. And completely disregarding the feelings of it to your husband is going to see this piece. Your ex-husband is going to see this piece. Your children one day are going to see this piece. And and if you if you go on, pull it up one more. I, I just I, I'm not going to read the whole thing. I just have what two other things to say about it. And I want to point out if you scroll down. So then she talks about how excited she was during the dissolution process. Conversely, I clutched my thighs and tried to still my shaking legs. So while contained. they're crying, she's clutching yeah. her thighs. Yeah, barely containing how excited I was. 
blah, 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 blah. I did feel sad for my ex-husband, but it wasn't my place anymore to comfort him. I think until that moment, it hadn't felt real to him. Like maybe we'd get back together again at any moment. So she's recognizing his pain and that he, it wasn't real to him until that moment. And she still writes this piece. Right. Um, then she says, uh, uh, after all the paperwork had been signed, our realtor consoled my ex-husband in the parking lot. So her realtor, cons- oh, I guess it's her realtor's job to console him, not her job is what she's saying. My realtor consoled her, my ex-husband in the parking lot, and I drove to the coffee shop to meet this younger man. I had no idea that hours later he would get me into bed, and the first thing he would do is flip me over and toss my salad. So then she goes on to describe the sex act, and then, this is what's insane, the piece doesn't go, it doesn't describe anything about no reflection on what was going on in her that she would do this right after this dissolution that maybe she was a person on the edge and acting impulsively and you know but no internal reflection on why this happened that day at all she goes on to turn this into an instructional article on how to have how to do rimming it's like hey kids Number one, give consent. And then she goes into like, be number two, be clean. Number three, shave. And she and number four, be communicative. And and the whole piece is, uh, you're like, wait a minute. This is just a how-to. This is a how-to article on how to uh, how to have anal, anal and oral sex, like oral to anal sex. That, that's what this piece is. You started it with something so deeply personal and horrible and threw your ex-husband under the bus and – just to get to a here's the five tips on how to have rimming piece there was no reason there was nothing it didn't lead to any reflection whatsoever it was just an entryway into talking about rimming i i blew my mind i know i'm a, I'm a little emphatic about it, but that that was even that was the kicker i felt like if, at least if she had written a piece exploring why these two events happened on the same day and all that. but no this was just an instructional piece on how to get like i Carter, you, I'm I'm speechless. So no, I get that you're speechless. I mean, look, if someone wants to write an article about how to for sex acts, fine. I guess there's an fine. you know there's people that want to read about that, and that's that's fine. But um, yeah, fine. She but. intentionally uh, look. The way I'm looking at this is she's a narcissist, very clearly yes. from this article. Yes. Um, yes. Right, and she very clearly she couldn't bring herself to just write a piece about the how tos of rimming. Um, instead, she had to f- introduce the topic by letting everyone know a few things. One, I am very highly desired. Yeah. Young men really like me. Um, my husband was sobbing uncontrollably. Yeah. Um, and I'm a very desirable woman. Everyone has Gross. to know how desirable I am to young men. And my husband was sobbing when he left me. Um, and two, I am empowered and I don't give a crap about my husband. Um, and uh, I'm just going to go, I, I revel in living frivolously for uh, frivolous sexual adventures. That's, that to me is more important than contemplating how I broke up with the father of my children uh, and left him in a puddle of tears in a parking lot. So she is, she, she first needs to, to signal her narcissism. And and she's so narcissistic that I believe she knows she's a narcissist and is proud of being a narcissist. She's like a narcissist squared. She believes that female empowerment is all about narcissism. Um, And she's showing, look how empowered females can be. Look how narcissist I am. Yes, Yes. Um, and this is what they're selling to women, that narcissism is empowerment. And it's, this is, this is not empowerment. This is not feminism. This is narcissism, nihilism, uh, a pursuit of, of meaningless pleasure. Um, this this is an obsession with the self, an obsession with bodily functions, and an obsession with the most inane. This reminds me of. I just it makes me think of a lot of things, but you know it makes me think of Saint Augustine, and just pursuing hedonism to the point of realizing you're just going to keep pursuing and pursuing because there's nothing out there beyond. You'll just get more and more extremely hedonistic and nihilistic because there's, because it's a pursuit of nothing, which is what right. brought him back to meaning. Was well, I think that. a lot of people that, but, that 
dabble in hedonism have that kind of a revelation. I know a lot of us, like when I was younger, I was more hedonistic than I am now. Oh, me too. Um, totally. Right. And so, uh, yeah. And, and I think, um, you know, the thing about, I like to separate. So a lot of times, you know, people think of this word like narcissism. They think that she's being selfish. I like to kind of separate the, the concept of selfishness into two different categories. And obviously this is, for those of you who know Rand, this is based on Rand's idea. But, um, you know, there's this idea of rational selfishness, which is it's just a long-term view. This is like, what's in my self-interest in the long term? What's best for me in the long term? Um, not what feels good in the moment. And so many people get... Uh, caught up with what feels good in the moment. Um, but that actually is often very self-destructive and won't lead to the long-term value and f happiness and contentment and personal growth that, that will, that will make you a better person later. Um, so it's actually quite self-destructive often, but you saw, I mean, Carrie, you and I both read some of these other articles by this woman. Um, Oh, she's <laughs> one I read. Did you see the one that said, uh, Having children will change your marriage and not for the better. I didn't read that one yet. Pull it up. All right. But I'm sending you I'm sending you something else right now, too. All right. Well, here's this one. Now, keep in mind, this woman has children. So this will be a joy for them to read. Yeah. Um, she, she basically says, um, I mean, the title says it all. Having children will change your marriage and not for the better. And she cites... Two main things. First of all, she does this thing that people do all the time. Studies conclusively prove that having children lead to a, leads to a steep decline in marital happiness, which then often leads to a steep decline in general happiness since the biggest predictor of overall life satisfaction is one's satisfaction with their spouse. So I was like, all right, I'll bite. I'll click on this, right? I'll click on this study because uh, that's what she says. Um, in the study that she links to... First of all, it's not multiple studies. It's one study, and it doesn't actually prove anything. It says, uh, their, their conclusion here in the abstract is, it suggests that the results seen in the parent sample may be due to birth. That's not a conclusive proof of anything, and it's, it's completely context contextless. She does throw a bone to parents at the very end of the article by saying down here, she says... Uh, well, you know, most parents are say do say parenting is their greatest joy, but we'll just gloss over that and we'll talk about yeah how it's horrible. Studies have we'll talk about studies having proved stuff, which is not true. The study did not conclusively prove anything. The study you linked to, there was no conclusive proof. That's not what those words mean. Yeah. Tara. So this is the this is a great example of cherry picking. Absolutely. Where you you want a you want something to um, it's that whole thing about you've got your your elephant, the emotional reasoning, right? And then you've got your um, rationalizing, your, your, the writer, the writer. So the elephant guides the writers. This is a Jonathan Haidt thing, right? Yeah. So she emotionally wants to not feel guilty or wants, to, she, she's trying, she's working backwards. She's trying to rationalize what's already emotionally in her heart, which is that she doesn't like being a mother and she's unhappy and she was unhappy in her marriage. All this stuff that she doesn't like. It's like, let me go and find a study so I can say, right. this is completely justified and right. rational. And, and she doesn't even have the <laughs> honesty. One. Yeah. And yeah. she doesn't have the intellectual honesty even to say, one study suggested this might be the case, which is what she linked to. She says, studies conclusively prove. No, no. Um, well, you, and also, by the well, way, I'm going to go out on a limb. She's a horrible parent. And I know that because she has exhibited zero empathy for her ex-husband. So, uh, how much empathy could she possibly have for her children? I, I don't know, but she clearly is someone who's probably an absolutely atrocious mother. Um, and so she writes this, and she wrote this article for her kids to read someday. Um, yeah. And Here's so she complains. Here's some things I knew, I wish I knew going in. The two main things she says, whatever problems you have now as a childless, child-free couple will be exacerbated. Having, basically she's saying, having kids won't fix your marriage. Well, duh. Duh. Okay. <laughs> fine romance will become harder well yeah you have to schedule dates like yeah but you know what people with busy lives schedule dates already so th these are that's her big her, her big reveal is like 
hey, by the way, it doesn't fix your marriage. And um, also, you may have to schedule some dates and talk about logistics of taking kids yeah. to soccer. That is not, this is not uh, sage advice. Yeah, there's like, nothing here. It will change your marriage and not for the better. Really? Right. Can you imagine having kids will change your marriage for the worse is what she's saying. That's awful. I can't imagine being her child right. and, and reading that and, and or being any person who she imagine dating this woman and potential and, and trying to figure out if she's like the one for you or not. And then looking at her pieces about how she's written about her ex-husband and children and be like wow yeah. like stay away from this woman what like what well, can i wait no carrie can i can i show yeah. you one other thing that really bothers me about this like it's a subtle language thing yeah she says that all this stuff now if you had kids and you were going to introduce and like if you're going to have kids if you have kids and you were going to say anything at the end that was kind of counter to this, you might say, but I love my kids and enjoy being a parent. It's just tough, right? Something like that to like say, well, I, you know, but it, it's worth it because, right? She doesn't say that. She says- She's scrolling a lot, so you know. Yeah. It's like She says, while this all paints a dismal picture of parenthood, most parents rate parenting as their greatest joy. She doesn't say, while this all paints a dismal picture of parenthood, I enjoy being a parent. Yes. No. Most parents do. So nope. read between the lines, kids. She hates being your mom. You know you know what her greatest joy is? Getting rimmed by a man 10 years ago. Yes, her and, and bragging about it on Medium. That's her greatest right? joy. Wow, that's the highlight of your life, lady. Um, <laughs> this reminds me of when I started going through, because I pursued hedonism in, in, to, a, to a certain degree in my life. I definitely have. I definitely was one of those people who, that's why um, St. Augustine is interesting to me because I felt like I was one of those people who had to learn things the hard way. Mm -hmm. And, um, oh, where was I going with this? Oh, crap. Oh, it reminds me of when I started to think about things, like at the beginning of my transformation in thought, not just transformation in political ideology, but it kind of coincided with this spiritual transformation as well. And this whole personal thing I was going through and I became really obsessed with the idea of whether or not we have a soul, like what's the meaning of life? Like, you know, the little questions, no. <laughs> the, big, yeah. the big, the easy but, stuff, the easy yeah. stuff. But yeah, I, um, I've, I, I kind of fixated on this and was thinking about it for a while. And the person I was dating at the time, I remember asking, I said, what do you think is the purpose of life? Oh, wait. Is it, is it the person I think you were dating at the time that answered it? Yeah. Oh, my God. <laughs> was it booze? What was the meaning? What was uh, it? Yeah, the meaning of life. Actually, this was his answer. The meaning of life is uh, good wine, sex, and traveling. And I, I, I said, those aren't, that's not meaning. That's not purpose. Those, those are, are activities. Those are activities. Those are pleasures, <laughs> but those aren't meaning and purpose and it really stuck with me it, it was startling to me because that was nowhere close to what i would have said I, I mean those are things i would like to have in my life sure yes pleasures you can name a lot of different kinds of pleasures but those aren't meaning this woman makes me think of someone for whom she would probably name something like that as like what is the meaning of life being rimmed by man yes <laughs> yes that's not meaning. It's just, I don't know. This is so empty what they're offering women. It's so empty. And, and I feel like they're telling girls. So I was talking with this young 20, 20 just, just turned 21 year old mm -hmm. recently. And she was talking about wanting to uh, become polyamorous, right? And her boyfriend does not want to become polyamorous. And, um, I was talking with, or I was talking with her about it and I just I was kind of like I mean people are going to have to figure out things on their own you know Well but we I, didn't I, used to we used to like transmit this knowledge from yes. generation to generation so we didn't have to continually freaking fall on our faces every time Right But it, now it's almost as if we're putting people out there with no guidance 
with no look any anything goes post, this postmodernism of like a belief in everything which is a belief in nothing figure things out for yourself kids we're not going to say that any one way of being or living is better than any other one way of being or living well that's crap also it's by the way think about how we, effective that is at tearing down civilization yeah and we know, we know, if you know that the, if you've been through it and you know that there are better ways of being and living and you don't try to impart that in some way, not force it, but impart it, you know, I felt like an old lady with this 21 year old. I'm like, I think that if you do pursue this, you're going to find it ultimately empty and exhausting and damaging to your relationship. Like, and I don't. <laughs> What I mean, I said absolutely. I mean, you know this, and I think I've mentioned it on the show, so I don't think I'm outing myself. I spent years being polyamorous when I was younger. It is exhausting and ultimately unsatisfying and ultimately destructive. It was not good at all, and we can talk in length about that some other show, but uh, it's not all it's cracked up to be, you know? But see, what they're being told, they're not they're not hearing from people who... It's, it's a... And, and I'm not, and not just this generation, because same thing happened with me. You know, I went out into the wilderness of like, oh, let me figure things out, like you. Let me figure this out. And I, boomers I, for the large part didn't girls, teach like, their kids uh, values. So, yeah, right, yeah. And so there's this this girl, and now like the what is she, millennial or, so she there. This is the kind of stuff they're reading on so-called feminist websites. That's supposed to be empowering. It's supposed to be all like sex positive, body positive, women positive, empowerment. It's like, no, you're reading how to become a narcissistic nihilist who puts yourself before anything else in a pursuit of substituting a pursuit of pleasure for a pursuit of meaning. And it just it, it just saddens me. There's one other piece I do want to make sure we get to. I just I sent it to you on Signal. Oh, OK. I'll um, take a look. You want me to pull it up? Yeah, and it's just the first paragraph because I, I'm not, I didn't pay to read the whole thing. Is so this we can her only again speak. or no? This is someone else. Well, I think this is an anonymous writer, but it sounds like her. And this just came out in November, and I'm like, I was reading it like, oh my gosh, I think this is probably the same writer because the way she writes the headline, and everything. The headline is this was in the Sunday Times. Here it is. Which is a major paper, right? This is in the Times. Uh, headline: I walked out on my husband and kids for true love. And I'm not going to live with aching regret. And then the subtitle. Oh, my God. You should live with a bullet in your brain. Carter, no. <laughs> no. No, we're not going there. No. <laughs> it's dark humor, guys. Uh, a mother writes about the most agonizing decision of her life. What well, doesn't sound very agonizing, does it? <laughs> no. Uh, <laughs> sounds pretty flippant, if you ask me. Yeah. It sounds pretty flippant. And, and why all the trauma was worth it. And then there's a picture of a man, a dad, serving dinner to his kids and a woman standing outside the house looking inside. And so just let me read the very beginning because that's all. I'm not going to pay for, to read this. But last Christmas, I left my family, my husband and my four children to be with my lover. <laughs> on, Christmas? Something, on Christmas? <laughs> <laughs> on Christmas. On Christmas. Oh, my gosh. It was something I had considered dreamt about and finally acted on. I had envisaged something cinematic, dramatic, high stakes. In the end, it was very small screen, almost funny in its middle-class sensibility. Almost funny. Ha, 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 ha. Everyone knew what was going on. My now ex-husband cooked everyone a hearty meal. So not only are you leaving your husband and kids, he also has to cook your goodbye meal. You can't even cook dinner for them on your way out. My Alex has been cooked everyone a hearty meal, poached eggs and smashed avocado, the last brunch. Then he lined up the children, our children, so I could say goodbye to them. He stood there while I did this act, tears pouring down my cheeks, unable to speak. He watched silently. Then he took the children off shopping. The door slammed, and I can't read the rest. However. Say goodbye to mommy, kids. She's going to go get ruined by someone 10 years younger. Yeah. And and scroll back up to that headline. Just I just want to oh, bring okay, that home on. again before you leave. Just yep. the headline again. I walked out on my husband and kids for true love, and I'm not going to live with aching regret. Okay, I don't think I don't believe in self hatred for past mistakes. I don't because I've done that for far too long, um, and I know a lot people people who have done that. If you 
are living in a place of self-hatred and shame or, or guilt about bad choices that you've made in your life or time wasted or um, bad habits that, you know, whatever it is that you've got that self guilt and self-hatred about, it doesn't help you to stay in that place. You're not going to grow until you get out of that place. So I don't think this woman should be sitting in self-hatred. However, it doesn't seem like she's inclined to do that at all. (laughs) It doesn't seem like she has any guilt or remorse. Just in the headline, it's like, it's not like something that she got past. It's not like I felt guilty about this awful thing I did and then I learned how to get past it and I grew. It's like, leaving was no big deal. Like, you know. Well, you know what, Carrie, what this makes me think of is, uh, it makes me think about the purpose of life again. And um, I, while I agree, if you're trying to help someone with regrets, you should you know, help them to get over the regrets and not wallow in self-pity. On the other hand, um, <clears throat> there is big regret. And actually, the thing that needs to be communicated to younger people is you will live with big regret and this will be a horrible decision. They are scared by regrets. And Unless you're a narcissist. Yeah, but it reminds me, you're reminding me of the phrase, uh, it could be that the purpose of your life is only to serve as a warning to others. Right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, Look, I, bad decisions do leave, lead to, can lead to unhappiness and misery and a life of regret. And pretending that that's not true doesn't help anyone. She would do better to write an article that was like, I, I'm in pain every day because of this. And I like, this was a horrible decision. But of yeah. course, she's not going to do that because that's not feminist and empowering. Yeah. I want to see the article that's like, I made this choice that I mistakenly believed was empowering. And I'll, I'll write I, I one right now in like two sentences. I got divorced as a father. I love my my wife, not my current wife, and we're, we have a happy family, but it was dumb. It was dumb to get divorced as having kids. It was a stupid move. No one warned me against it. No one warned me about the impact on on the kids, really, uh, and and what would, what would actually happen. And um, the, the whole thing was just was really dumb. So don't do that. Don't don't get married to someone that you're you, you know until you really have your your psychology sorted out. And when you have kids, stay unless it's like unless there's violence happening or something. You freaking stay when you have kids. And that's something that sounds weirdly Christian. And I'm an atheist, and I know that you know it's a Christian thing to like stay. But there's a reason for that. Um, there are negative consequences that society just wants you to, like, they just want to not tell you about. They want to go on writing articles about how you're never going to live with regret and isn't rimming great from someone 10 years younger. And, you know, your kids are going to cry while you're leaving. And so the hell what? Who cares? It, you know what? There are real consequences and I've made mistakes. Don't make the mistakes that I made. You've got to be like the last thing on the world I'm going to tell my daughter is to take marriage and, and parenthood lightly. Yeah, I I totally we're we're completely on the same page about this. I think it's probably you and I have um, some differences in trajectory and obviously differences in foundational belief. Um, you being an atheist, me being Christian, a new Christian, but um, I think we also have a lot of similarities and in some ways. And and I've definitely I feel the I feel the same way. That's why I've I, that's why I felt a obligation to just tell that young woman, you know, here's what I would suggest, (laughs) because I don't think young women are getting that kind of advice. These are the, these are the opinion pieces they're sharing. You should see Teen Vogue. Oh my gosh. We should do a whole episode on Teen Vogue. It's like, we should, I've heard, I've seen some horrible things from Teen Vogue. Yeah. Yeah. And it's all, um, I mean, they're teaching 15 year olds. It's all about pursuit of bodily functions and, and it's all this sex positive stuff. And again, there's a place for sex positivity. I'm not saying there's not, I'm not, I haven't become some prude about it, but I don't think, I don't think teen Vogue is made, has become a better publication for starting to publish pieces on how men can have their period and how uh, <laughs> you should put how women, how young girls, 15 year olds, I mean, they, their audience is pretty young that they should put on a, a dildo and have and peg their boyfriend like th- there's an article that's about how to peg your boyfriend 
like in Teen really? Vogue. Teen Vogue. Teenagers. Right. And by the way, we all know like people who read Seventeen are less than seventeen. So people who read Teen Vogue are less than teenagers. Yes, I mean, it's like la- young people. They're less than fifteen, and they're reading that. Yeah. It's like, come on, that's not teenage content. Um, yeah, I'm sorry, I'm getting off subject, but that's what young, I don't know, I felt like I wanted to talk about this because the messages that culture, the message that culture is giving young women is that it is somehow feminist, I mean, I'm repeating myself, feminist and empowering to forego a pursuit of meaning and truth. Um, certainly that they make fun of this, this. It's almost like they put down the idea of, of pursuing anything traditional. Well, they don't um, just put it down. They, they vilify it because it's related. This is related to something that I've been paying attention to a little bit in the past few days. Have you heard of this trad wife thing? I've heard of the trad wife movement. Yeah, I just, I just barely know a little bit about it. Traditional wife for people who don't know. Yeah, so BBC, BBC Talk did this. They they tweeted this out the other day. They had a little um, mini documentary series or mini mini article and documentary about traditional wives. And it says, we'll introduce you to a trad wife, a young woman who has chosen to be a traditional wife, staying at home to take care of the household chores while her husband works. And she is fine with submitting to her husband as he makes the key decisions in their lives. Okay. the And we can talk about this in a minute. The response has been, who needs YouTube rabbit holes when you have the BBC broadcasting literal white supremacist propaganda? So, what? Yeah, so white this is what the left is saying now. Right? Wow. They call everything white supremacist, don't they? Absolutely. Yeah. You figured out the algorithm. Yes. <laughs> we don't like it. It's white supremacist. That's right. Um, and so, look, I was thinking about this earlier. There's a difference between saying women should be able to choose whatever life they want and and women should have the opportunity to be whatever they want to be that is true i stand by that i think carrie does as well um there's a difference between saying that and you're likely to be happy choosing this thing or not right so the fact is a lot of women want to be wives and like want to be mother like stay at home mothers like not all women i met in a marriage where my wife like stays home like and that's not we're not in that situation so some women don't want that some families don't want that but some people do and a lot of women do and they want to be able to stay home take care of the house and the kids make all the buying decisions basically like they they run the finances the husband earns money they run the finances in the household he comes it's a division of labor he comes home and she take quote takes care of him in that sense because her job is to take care of the household and and enable him to go succeed and bring home a paycheck. It's a division of labor that is, um, in in most cases at least at least in modern times is consciously and voluntarily chosen by both partners. And the thing that really pisses me off about this is the left would not act this way if it was a fetish. If she was like oh, I have a sub fetish. They would celebrate it as like being empowering. But when, because it's not a fetish, because she's like, wants to actually be a housewife, suddenly it's white supremacy and it's horrible. I don't yeah. know, Carrie. It's I, white supremacy and yeah. If it were anything, yeah. Maybe, maybe the trad wife movement should start calling their desire to, their desire for a traditional home arrangement a fetish. <laughs> right. If they start saying like, well, this is just a form of BDSM, like maybe they'll get accepted. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. But I mean, look, the, the, trad, the trad wife movement has a lot to recommend. A lot of people want that kind of a life. And there's reasons behind it. Like there's rational reasons why it would make sense for a whole lot of people, but not everyone. And no right. one's trying to force everyone into that model anymore. Maybe they were 50 years ago, 70 years ago, but not now. So to call someone a white supremacist because she says, look, I, I like being a housewife. Um, the only reason to do that is because you want to remove from the pool of options. You want to remove that from the options that women have. You want them to be focused on career and meaningless sex and like abandon. Like you want all this other stuff. You want the the article that we just read about anal cunnilingus to be the normal thing instead of... Uh, 
you know, being a mom and raising kids. Yeah, it's it's basically uh, traditional values versus nihilism. Right. And if you'll notice, Carrie, you said before, everything's okay, everything's equal, everything except anything that causes family stability. Everything. Yeah, it's okay. You know that idea? I forget who said this quote, but it, the quote, um, if you want to know who's who's in power, who's who's got power over you, look at who you can't criticize. Right. Okay. Well, there's also this idea of if you want to know, I, I mean, I'm, this is just coming to me, but it's almost like if you want to know what has truth to it and meaning and value and purpose, look at what this culture maligns. Right. Well, it's the it's that saying. In a way, like, right? You know, like, you're over the target when you're getting fire, when you're getting flack. Like yeah. when they're firing at you, you're over the target. So, like, right. you're over the target, trad wives. You're like saying this is what you want to do. You're getting like called the white supremacists. Like that's the target. Now we know what the target is. The target is anything remotely traditional and uh, supportive of kind of a traditional stable family. That's the target. You know why? You know why I think this is happening, by the way, the trad wife movement is because it's the same reason why it's, um, yeah. it's a back. It's part of the backlash. People are sick yeah. of nihilism. People are, are finding that it's lacking. It's the same reason um, all, all of this is related. It's the same reason Kanye West is finding God. Jordan Peterson's books are popular. There, there is a hunger for actual meaning in and truth and value, actual value. And people are, People are finding that um, the culture, what the culture offers, is wanting. I mean, I talk about, I talk about Kanye West as someone who, to me, represents. He's someone who who sampled all that the culture has to offer, all of it, and found it wanting. And that it, there's there's no meaning or purpose in it. It's is it nice to have fame and money and women and alcohol or whatever it is that, you know, power, the ability to do whatever you want, all of these things. I'm sure it is. Is it meaningful? No, that's not meaningful. There's no meaning in that. Um, and so, so I think, I think this is the trad wife movement is becoming popular because women are, we know, look at the statistics since the 1950s, women have continually said that their level of happiness is declining. Yes. It's on a steep decline. Yep, their suicide rates have increased. Their yes. level of happiness has declined. Their use, their use and abuse of um, uh, alcohol. Drugs. Yeah, and I was going to say actually even prescription medications like SSRIs and that kind of stuff has gone up. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Look at look at uh, look at the rise in the commercialization of wine. This is something I wanted to cover at some point too because I I I read a piece about it a while back, but it was just about how. At some point in the past ten years, there became this huge market for uh, for wine being marketed towards women. It's specifically a female thing, and any woman watching this who goes to cute, cutesy little trinket shops will know what I mean. There's usually an entire section of not again nothing wrong with drinking wine, nothing wrong with drinking. I'm just saying it's become a huge industry because women's rates of drinking have gone way up and wine is one of their drinks of choice. And so there'll be an entire section of a fr- women's frou-frou shop, the kind of place I like, that's entirely, you know, dish towels and mugs and cups and all kinds of things market at you that's all about wine. Is it wine o'clock, you know? Like, um, bragging about your alcoholism. Yeah. It's time to wind down, like, you know, just tons of puns and quips about it. And, and I think that that's just indicative of what we're talking about, like the rates of drinking, prescription drugs. Um, you see uh, a lot of wine moms on Twitter. Drugs. Like oh, totally. Like, I'm a wine mom, right? That kind of thing. Yeah. I'm yeah. a wine mom. Yeah. Um, again, not criticizing any wine moms. I'm just saying, I'm just, it's just an observation that it's become a huge market because women's rates of drinking have gone up. Um, but, but yeah, women in, in general, this, this goes back to the conversation we've had before about how, it's kind of funny to me when people don't like for you to look at the repercussions of things and try and figure out why they've happened. Um, sometimes because they say it's almost like they, it, that's that thing where they confuse, they can confuse commentary that is descriptive with commentary that's prescriptive. So meaning if you say, mm-hmm. look, ever since women started working outside of the home, women's rates of happiness have declined. Um, 
not that that's the, the there could be multiple reasons why women's rates of happiness have, have declined. But if you want to say, I wonder what effect women working outside of the home has had on this happiness rate, right? Then people will get upset and say that you're saying women shouldn't be able to work outside the home, which is not what I'm saying. It's like, it's just descriptive. Let's look at it and see what the results are. But they don't want you to do that. They don't want you to talk about it. They don't want you to examine right. it. And something that I tried to make clear before, no one is saying people should or shouldn't be, like, shouldn't be allowed to do stuff. We're, right. we're asking not the question of who should be allowed to do what, but what are the consequences of choosing these things? You should be allowed to choose these things. What are the consequences to you? You might want to investigate. What are the consequences to society of a large number of people choosing these things? Um, yeah. And it, you know, there's a bunch of interests. I mean, we could go on this forever, Carrie. There's a bunch of interests aligned here, too. Um, even if you just, I'm just going to say this from like an anti-statist perspective. If you think about this from a, the, the perspective of the state that likes to grow, and it's, um, I, I view states as running tax farms. They're tax farmers. Um, and there's probably no better way to think about a state than a tax farmer. Um, they are trying to maximize the taxes they get from the population. That's their, their goal. Um, and that's, that's something that China shares with the U.S. Like, it doesn't matter the ideology. They, they are tax farmers. And uh, if you look at the U.S., um, or if you look at this movement, right, um, think about what happens when a woman doesn't go to work and she chooses to be a trad wife. Well, um, you've just lost tax on her salary. So she's not in the workforce anymore. So yeah. you just lost that tax. You just lost tax on the daycare people that she was probably paying, that they were probably paying for as a couple because having two parents working usually requires extra childcare and, and daycare or whatever it is. Um, so you've probably lost tax on that. So think about, they, they're cutting their taxes in half. Uh, the tax revenue gets cut in half when a woman stays home. Um, and so, or a guy stays home, by the way, either parent stays home, taxes are getting cut in half. So this is, I'm not saying this is all one big conspiracy, I'm saying interests are aligned here. There's an entire uh, machine driven to push you to think that only earning money out in the workforce, like that's ta only taxable income is your measure of success in life. That's your measure of success, taxable yeah. income. Um, that's not your measure of success and it won't lead you to happiness necessarily. And so, um, you know, people that that recognize that are enemies of the state in some in some major way. So there's a lot of interest aligned here, not just the nihilists trying to tear everything down, but also just the the statists trying to maximize their tax revenue. That's a very interesting point that I never would have thought of. But yes, you're right. <laughs> you're right. People don't think about all these different or I don't always I can't identify all the different interests aligned in pushing some in something that's being pushed in culture. But, um, but yeah, okay. I hate to cut this short, but I have to go to work. Speaking of the tax farm, <laughs> go have kids. <laughs> I know, I know, I gotta, but I gotta go to work until I have those kids. Okay. Um, By the way, I'm joking with Carrie. I'm not a misogynist telling her she has to stay home and have kids. It's an inside joke. Relax. I remember when you told me I needed kids because I was babying Tiger and people got upset. <laughs> oh, yeah, they did. They did. How dare you say a woman needs kids? Carrie right. needs kids, not you. Stop taking it personally, females in the audience. I'm talking to Carrie. You don't know Carrie. She needs kids. Trust me. Carrie, do you need kids? <laughs> I do. I think See? I do. There we go. Well, uh, yeah, I've got a ways to go if I'm going to uh, fulfill the potential that that, uh, that palm reader told me years ago I was going to have five and, well, uh, you've got to compete with your cousin too, right? <laughs> My cousin has 19, and I think <laughs> I'm probably not going to reach that level. <laughs> at this Time's point. a wasting, Carrie. You better start. Yeah. Um, actually, speaking of Tradwife, I'm going to plug my cousin's show. If anybody is interested, yeah. my cousin Wait, is, is she Kelly a Tradwife, by the way? Basically. I mean, basically, she was a trad wife before trad wife was a thing. Yeah, so she she's a stay at home mom, and they're um, she has nineteen children, and they have they used to have a TV show on TLC called uh, Bringing Up Bates, um, and now they have a, a TV show on the Up Network, which is a Christian network, I believe, and it's called Nineteen Bates and Counting. Uh, I think I think I got the no no the first one okay the first one was called Nineteen Bates and Counting, and the new one's called Bringing Up Bates. Yeah, that's it. Anyway, look her up. It's a traditional 
Christian values show about a very large family. And, um, yeah, it's just a weird that we have, that happens to be my cousin. <laughs> 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 I don't know. Anyway, <laughs> and I used to wow. be very judgmental about it when I was in SJW. I used to be very much like, she doesn't have anything figured out. Why, you know, what a crazy way to live. And now I'm like, hmm, maybe Kelly Joe was onto something way early that I just didn't that know. didn't sound so bad. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> anyway. Yeah. All right. Well, thank you, Carrie, for um, bringing up this topic and um, facilitating a discussion about this because I think it's super important. I'm sure we'll have lots of. Uh, hate comments about all of this, but it's a topic that I think we should revisit because I think it's super important and it gets to the heart of, um, you know, you can't protect yourself against a lot of things going on. There's a lot of craziness in the world. There's a lot of wrong think. Uh, I don't mean wrong. I, I guess I mean like wrong think abusers. Like there's a lot of, uh, what's the word? Po wrong think police. There's a lot of SJW mobs and craziness out in the world. But one thing you can do is you can affect your own personal home life, your own relationship, your own relationship with your kids. Um, You've got an insulated little world. You could you could uh, you could create your own little world in your own um, with your family and your friends, and uh, it's important to think about how you're structuring that. So I know I didn't think about it very well for a long time, and uh, I do now. So anyway, yeah. thanks. Don't forget to watch. Uh, sorry, don't forget to like, subscribe, and you can go to Subscribe Star to support us financially. Thank you to all the people who have been doing that. We've been getting uh, also one-time donations there, which is great because um, some people, you know, they don't feel like they can subscribe and commit to every month, which is fine. So they gave us one-time donations, which is also super helpful. So thank you all. And we will see you for live Kofefi tomorrow. At what time, Carrie? Is it 11 Pacific? I think, yes, 11 Pacific. And Carrie thank you committed. very it's much 11 Pacific, for the financial contribution. I'm talking over Carter. Sorry. Thank you very much for the financial contributions. It's like Carter said, it's very much appreciated. I love uh, 11 Pacific, 1 p.m. Texas time. What were you saying? That's all I was saying was I, you committed, I think, to 11 Pacific, 1 Texas time on Mondays and Fridays. So that's our schedule until you hear otherwise moving Woo! forward for, for live coffees. Okay. Carrie will Sounds good. Go ahead. Sounds good. Bye. All right. Bye. <laughs>